against you. Why am I sneaking around? Is it not obvious? I broke away from my confinement and now I'm on the run. I need to gather my remaining belongings from the inn and move to another kingdom. Why must you always appear in the worst of times? Hmm? Sometimes I think you are not human. Hmm. Perhaps you are not. I jest. I can see all and can tell you are hooked to my tales and want to hear more. Very well. With a giant feather given to me by my rescuer, I shall tickle the veil open with finesse so that we can view our mysterious duo of ramble-shamble. Good day, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ramble Shrapnel, a shamble. Today, we're going to be talking about an episode that we mentioned a couple of months ago because we didn't really get the chance to expand upon it. Granted, it was inside a Ramble Shrapnel episode, hence my confusion in the beginning there. But we're going to do so today because we, we just realized it was too big a topic and there were too, diff too many different ways in which our directions could lead. And we wanted to elaborate a bit more on the points that we were talking about. So who was I talking to back then? It was, of course, the one and only Mackie. Hello. I got a new mic. I hope this sounds a little bit better. <laughs> I'm still adjusting settings and things, but we'll sort of see how things go on. Yeah. Yeah. And wh why exactly did you decide to get a new one? I thought, the uh, look, I, I feel like we're at the stage where OB, uh, our recordings and of the podcast is getting something that's it'll be a fun hobby and i just wanted to upgrade the mic quality just get something that's a little bit clearer for the mic settings that i'm dealing with because i edit quite a few of the ramble shamble episodes and it's just it's it's nice to get that clearer sense of like we are progressing we are growing as a podcast this is purely out of my own pocket so don't freak uh people audience we are not at that stage where patreon is <laughs> a thing <laughs> But yes, uh, it's something that I just thought, hey, I saw this great deal for both a headset and a very popular mic for, and I decided to say, hey, I'm going to splurge and upgrade, uh, have a better recording mic because it seems like this will be a fun hobby to keep up with. Yeah, yeah that's great, man. It's always, it's always a nice bump up whenever you, you feel like, or it's, it's always great whenever you're the things you get are things that you actually care about. Agreed, um, agreed. And I think that's, yeah, and I think that's actually something that a lot of people don't really pay attention to nowadays because the online marketplaces are so easy to just acquire new things with that we don't really think about, do I actually need this thing? Oh, 100%. I do, I do, yeah, I do it myself sometimes as well. Like I'll be, I'll be shopping around on a website called Take A Lot in South Africa. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and uh, you need to spend 500 grand for free delivery. So mm. I will buy something that's like 350 rand. And then I'm like, you know, I could spend 80 rand on delivery or I can get something <laughs> else to get me past that threshold. 
Um, uh, but I might not need right now, but in the future, it could really help. So then, then like I end up getting something that's not entirely useful, but I mean, at least I've got that backup. Oh, 100%. And look, uh, this mic was a pure want than need because when we started the podcast, I didn't, I, uh, Mike was never on my to do list. I did YouTube previously and I kind of fell away because it was, it was something that was not, it became too much of a job and I wasn't enjoying my games anymore. But when, ever since I started podcasting with you, Jotun, it, it just made things fun again. It made things like, it's not a, a job, it's more a side hobby. Things to kind of share our ideas, share our opinions and kind of grow and see if maybe we can get like minded people to join along our ventures. We already got a other podcast at T, and who knows? We might get a we might be a, a, a big time podcaster later down the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true that. Yeah, like I, I actually also struggle a bit with that. What you were saying, where it was starting to feel like a job or something. Mm-hmm. Just just because I'm I'm the type of person that I don't really chat or talk if I'm watching a series or a movie or playing mm-hmm. a game with someone. Like I like to just fully immerse myself in the experience. So for me to do a voiceover while playing a game or something feels a bit weird. Like oh, I haven't come yeah. to the point where it feels like work, thank goodness. But no, 100%. Just, <laughs> it feels odd thinking aloud, you know. Oh yeah, 100%. It's something that you definitely get experience with. But I think there's two types of like YouTubers. The ones that have to voice over their game. But I think the one that we which gets a lot more popularity. I thought you were going to say, I, th- I thought you were going to say the type that pee in the shower and the type that don't. Oh, oh heck no. No, no, no. Um, I think we... Or what do people say? The type that pee in the shower or liars? <laughs> I think the joke is... Uh, no, that, that's very true. Anyway, yeah? No, no, no. I was just saying that I think it also seems like popularity-wise, and I think audience, if you don't know, we do have a YouTube channel called Fumble Shamble. It has sort of quite a few videos that you can go check it on. But I think what we get a lot, I think what's a little bit more natural is when you play in a co-op game. Like our Deep Rock Galactic episode was quite a fun episode to A, to edit, but also it's just natural. It's not like you forced yourself to talk. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But that's also why it's a bit easier when you're playing with friends and stuff, because then you... Like there's already that level of want or needing to engage with the other person that you're playing with. Whereas if you're just by yourself, then it feels a bit weird for me. Oh, very true. So true. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's got absolutely nothing to do with our topic. <laughs> um, a few a few months ago in a Ramble sh- Shrapnel episode, we talked about, well, we were meant to be talking about something to do with alien encounters which was part of episode 11. No, no, episode 12. So Ooh. if you guys are interested in what we were doing over there, check out episode 12 earlier in this playlist. And yeah, sate your curiosity. But in that Ramble Shrapnel episode, the, the bonus episode, we decided to take a hard left and just talk about the idea of not the first contact with aliens, but aliens already being among us. And that's the topic that we're going to expand upon today. <laughs> now, Mackie, I don't rem- know if you remember exactly what you, you mentioned or what your idea was, because we were talking about what 
the I no no not the ideal situation, but what we think is the most likely situation in which aliens would be living amongst us already. Mm-hmm. I think I remember my one, like it had to do with alien hybrid programs and such. But I, do, do you remember what yours was? Look, uh, I think mine it was. I don't actually think I had like a specific way that they were living amongst us. I think I just talked about the ways that they could. Is that they either yeah. like possess us, uh, like take over our bodies and observe us. Oh no, I remember my idea. They're observers. They they watching us. They viewing us like through like a fishbowl, and they like obviously they can interact with us, but they're more like four dimensional beings looking into a three dimensional world where they're seeing there's like there's such a primitive state of uh, civilization going through the gun era, the well, sorry, the Stone Age era, then the industrial era. And they're just watching and like we're just like some sitcom show where the like mm. families at homes are just like eating their their space popcorn and laughing at our idiotic ways of doing things and they say, Ha ha, they hired that man to be president of the United States. Ha ha ha. Um, that man's <laughs> starting a war, such a primitive way of thinking. Ha 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 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but that but that actually makes me think because I was thinking earlier today about our one episode on the multiverse and space and time and um and time being just like one of three dimensions of time um sorry sorry this has absolutely nothing to do with today's episode (laughs) but just because you mentioned it's over there i think i think the reason why physicists tend to think that extra dimensions will be extra dimensions of space and not necessarily of time is because time feels inherently different to us than the other dimensions. Mm. But I think that's just an illusion because time is the only dimension that we experience that we don't have control over. And I think the instant that we could control time, at least in the X axis, would mean that we perceive it as a dimension of space. And then whichever second dimension of time we are subject to, we would view as inherently different because we can't control it. And we would then view that as the, in, in the same way that we, we view time now for us mm. because we can't control it and it's, it's just special in that way. Oh. So I think, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I think you're strengthening my point. I really appreciate it. It will make it easier for the audience to vote on my idea. Uh, should I give my reason why I think we that why I think that the so-called aliens are observers rather than yeah, yeah. integrated part of our society? Stick to the episode, yeah. Should I give that idea? So, so we'll 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 take this as as Mackie's proposal. Yeah. This is the position you're taking for today's episode. I am taking this position. Now, why why I think that and the that if aliens are already amongst us, I say if because I cannot say definitive yes. If I say that, then anyone can disprove me. So I'm going to stick with aliens would likely be observers because I've been watching a series called Orville, a series made uh, directed and I think produced by Seth MacGuire, um, the creator or the person of Family Guy. If you if people don't know him. Seth um, MacFarlane. Mac- MacFarlane. I always get that confused. Thank you, Yotin. <laughs> so he he made the series and 
he wanted to make it a lot more like philosophical, a lot more very closely related to Star Trek. And if you watch the series, it's actually incredibly interesting. Um, not the greatest at all ends, but they tackle some really interesting first encounter situations because they go to every different cultures and they go to different planets and they see how different planets uh, evolve over time. And they physically cannot, and one of the, the rules of the exploration group is that they can't, they cannot interfere with society that is unable to do space travel or they don't, they're unable to communicate to the greater beyond their planet. So they have to physically sit there and watch while like a family will go running around crying for help and that stuff. And they have to physically just set, uh, say, we can't do anything because if we do, we end up altering that entire society's way of becoming what it needs to become to achieve space travel. But obviously, being a series, they do that. Um, they they interfere with the suit certain things. And the society has uh, grown in a, a way that would kind of arc its original direction. So they're not necessarily as... They, they didn't focus on the, the current way of thinking and they started looking beyond. They started progressing faster and understanding certain things a little bit easier that would likely take them quite a few centuries to get past. And I think that's where humanity has really been influenced in that way. How I'm touching that is that the gods in our uh, Norse, Greek, Egyptian, every kind of god, I feel like they were at some stage these aliens where they see this primitive species and they think, hey, we can do whatever we want to do because they're so primitive that they probably won't even recall our interventions in this situation. And yeah, I, I believe that like, like Zeus, people used to worship Zeus quite a bit. And all of a sudden, they stopped. Probably because Zeus didn't came back down. But it just seemed like they were saying, okay, they're at a, they're at a stage where they have enough fuel to progress to the stage where they need to do space travel, communication, and there's nothing more that we should do to interfere with their growth. Where prior to that, they were kind of like speeding up the process, kind of pushing the fast forward button in this, in our slow development. And they came in and said, okay, here's a building. This is a uh, math science. Because if you look at most of the like law behind that, these entities would always come from the sky above, either in flying vehicles or they would kind of fly down but i think that's a, that's like some type of tractor beam where they were uh coming down at a very slow pace and pe people when we see like something really amazing we overemphasize on its amazingness we focus on like our picture in our mind saying this guy th this god came down from the heavens and there was this giant glow behind him and it was clear that this was some mis some higher being where it was just like probably the lights from the saucer or flying vehicle that they used. So I feel like in those kind of senses, they were intervene and to cut it short at, to the point where now they, they don't feel like it's necessary to intervene anymore. I think they say that we're given the tools necessary for humanity to go beyond what is necessary and there's no further greater intervention that is required of us. Yeah. That's my proposal. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think f for my answer for the Ramble Shrapnel episode, I mentioned a story or like a thought chain that was, let's say, a narrative that was made by Graham Hancock talking about like a progression of a 
human-alien hybridization program oh, going from yeah from the Middle Ages with fairies and fairy stories to the modern day. Would you like me to recap that? Yeah, I think that's it's, it's really, I kind of recap what my opinion was. So I, don't, I feel like it's necessary for the audience who don't listen to our uh, ra- Ramble Shrapnel episodes that they just feel like they can follow along. <laughs> Shame on your audience. Go listen Shame. to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he says that in the Middle Ages, there was like contact with fairies um, and they, they talked about these like mystical figures that would like like they they just weird occurrences with fairies that and and the fair folk that happened in those days um such as what they called fairy circles where fairies would dance in a circle and if you happen to view them doing that in the middle of the day then you would just disappear so he makes an argument for the fairy circles being some kind of a teleportation ritual or technology and if you think of the the law of Arthur C. Clarke about every kind of magic that is, or something like any magic that is not, any technology that is not sufficiently known will appear as magic. I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing heavily, by the way, but that's that's where it goes basically. And so, it, if you follow that that reasoning, then it makes sense that this fairy circle which is like twisting and stuff can act as some kind of teleportation device because we just don't understand how that magic works and so if people viewed these fairy circles then they would just disappear and similarly there was something called like fairy gates or fairy pathways which was like um, a hedgerow on the side of the field that would have an archway and if people walked down the through the arch and into a path then they would similarly disappear and now you also have stories of people coming back after like what they feel was an afternoon or a few hours and like the place where they were i i mean people that come back from this fairy pathway the place where they return to doesn't look exactly like the place where they left it, it looks like there are a few new buildings or the field and features of the landscape had changed and then lo and behold they talk to some people inside the village that they always knew which looks a little bit different and the people inside the village will tell them well i don't actually know this kind the, the a person by that name but i do know that they lived like 30 years ago or i, I know their sons or something like their daughters and but their daughter is like 50 now not a child anymore and so then these people would find out that oh my gosh i've been gone for like 60 years but for me it only felt like an hour past and so like these weird stories happen and then graham hancock links that to abduction stories of nowadays where people say like they they would just come back and like a month will have passed they'll wake up the next they'll go to bed one night and then they remember some kind of dream episode where there were lights or something and then they come back and a month has gone by and they don't remember where that month disappeared to. And then as a lot of the time, these abductions or stories are like recurring episodes and they'll have memories of dreams, which kind of progress a a dream narrative and where from every dream, which they view or remember as 
abduction events, they remember more and the dream narrative itself expands. So then they they get memories and flashbacks of basically a second life that they live with the aliens where they have an alien spouse and they raise alien children with the alien spouse. And then it's it's gotten to the point at, at this stage now in the modern day where these abduction events with with like spouses of the aliens, like the spouses are very attractive people, but there's something weird about them, like something in the uncanny valley that's a bit off-putting. And so he he he, he then says, okay, that is step nine of ten on the alien hybrid program. And back on step two in the Middle Ages, there were all these abduction event stories of aliens or fairies leaving behind a changeling inside the crib of a normal middle-aged family overnight and stealing the human baby away. And the, the changeling was a crude attempt at this alien hybrid program. And if you, if you look up a bit of like stories of changelings on the internet, you'll see that all these changelings were meant to have been like these absolutely fugly just like absolutely <laughs> unattractive babies because most of the time we're like oh these babies are cute they're like pudgy and squishy and mums think that they smell super awesome there's like something about the smell of newborn babies but all the stories of changelings are horrible it's like these are babies that are unsatisfied by anything they're crying all the time they're sickly they puke all the time and they're ugly as well. And now they're left to raise that ugly thing. Um, <laughs> so it's actually quite humorous. But he, he makes this like narrative progression of there was a hybrid program that started in the Middle Ages or beforehand. And now that hybrid program has progressed to the point where humans and aliens are kind of indistinguishable, except for the fact that there's still an uncanny valley feeling about the, the hybrids. And that's, for me, that's the most likely way in which aliens would already be amongst us, because it would have to be at a point where we don't realize that they're amongst us. But I think you can still make the assertion that they're not exactly people. <laughs> and I, do, I don't think that they'd ever be fully able to recreate humans. So it makes sense to me that there would be something off-putting about them. Yeah. So that's that's how I think it would come about. Well, it's quite an interesting idea behind it because obviously aliens is obviously such such a I actually would like to hear your definition. I'll give obviously I'm not the host, so I'm kind of hijacking the segment here. From my understanding, an alien is technically something that's from outer space, but when does it stop being an alien? Because like in your in your state there is that they were initially replaced and say that they reproduced on the planet Earth. Are they still technically aliens? Because obviously it's, it's, a, it's a weird concept because why I say that is obviously if you think of plants, uh, they're native to certain countries, but we call them alien plants because they are not native to a certain country and they, they kind of destroy the environment that they're in because the environment doesn't know how to cater or doesn't know how needs to adapt to the new uh, invasion of this foreign plot. Now, 
is that the same kind of wave you're thinking is that if it's a an organism that came from space originally even though it's like made its life on a planet is it considered an alien forever or is it considered an earthling at a certain stage of of like generations well that that's that's kind of what i'm saying like it doesn't matter how far they progress in the hybrid program mm. i don't think that they can ever fully get into our society at least at least and not be noticed if someone were to pay close enough attention i well, think they could get by perfectly fine and <laughs> i don't know like there's there's no way of saying whether their civilization would be like no you're too much of an earthling to be part of us Mm-mm. i geez i don't know it might be just it'll probably be a thing of like they just don't fit in anywhere then because they're not human and they're definitely not alien either Oh, 100 percent and i think that's why i was kind of asking the question because in my opinion yes originally they were alien to us but then why i say that is because there's some evidence in like indian culture of the gods where at one stage after the battles that the, they claimed in this hindu language hindu language i believe it's hindu they uh, some of these god beings would come down to the planet and have babies so they kind of integrated the hybrids in that sense but in my yeah. opinion that if they've now integrated into our society in that way where we now having children their children children and who knows uh myself mackie and yotan may be some distance descendants of some or have a bit of a blood in our bloodlines does that technically make us alien just because we are have at one stage had uh one of our relatives had had a woohoo with an alien but in my, in my opinion <laughs> in, my, in my opinion we're not technically aliens once we've really started like reproducing on that planet because we've grown up as an earthling we treat earth as a home so does that mean that we are an earthling or are we still technically an alien that's interesting well um <laughs> this this <Woo-hoo. laughs> that, that 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 actually kind of leads uh brings us to my second idea for the second part of this episode which is taking the answer that you prepared for the original question of how they're among us already explain a scenario in which humans are actually the aliens or an alien for your thing that was put here by extraterrestrials and the way in which aliens are already among us is that we are the aliens just just explain a scenario of how humans could be the aliens living here and like motivate for how it makes sense in the world that we know oh okay so that that's a very interesting question so to start off the term alien is is, is such a broad term why i say that is because what's alien the, the from what i understand what alien is is basically is this familiar to me or is this not familiar to me so the fact that if i go to a different country i am i feel like i'm an alien because technically i'm in a new culture new new way of thinking obviously people don't see me too much like an alien but obviously like now that i live in the uk one of the first things people always say is that what's your what's wrong with your accent i'm like it's just, it's english um they said no 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 something's wrong with your accent and right there, I'm immediately feeling like an alien. So why I highlight is that because anything can be viewed as an alien. And in that sense, anything can also be, if everything is viewed as alien, nothing's viewed as alien. 
So, <laughs> but that, that's going to a whole different uh, can of beans that I don't want to quite open just yet. So it is an interesting way of thinking because how you worded that question made me also think of the possibility that Earth was, it, all like we all know, it was inhabited by dinosaurs. Then something wiped out the dinosaurs. What if it was those aliens that came down to the planet and say, we need a new test site for our new organic organism that we want to encourage growth and see if they can possibly benefit us in any ways, perhaps maybe immunity to a certain disease or that kind of thing. So they flew past our little planet and before humanity was even a thing, they said, this might be the perfect planet. It's got water, it's got everything that a, a growing organic a growing organism needs let us start fresh so they wiped out everything then they planted the seeds of humanity which technically we are those aliens <laughs> and what was your second part of your question so it's how how are we aliens or how are we just like an extraterrestrial species that another extraterrestrial put here so for um, now, my way of thinking about how it is with your scenario is that some kind of observer, extraterrestrial, because mm-hmm. um, we're, we're going with the human zoo hypothesis. Yeah, yeah 100% human zoo. <laughs> so it would have to have been something like 300,000 years ago. Yeah. Because that's when we see a record of the first modern humans in the archaeological record. That's Homo sapiens sapiens. Some Um, alien species decided, you know what? I'm going to drop something from another world that we know that that we know very well, because it seems to fit in with all these Neanderthals and Homo erectus and all of that. And I think that you know they'd be able to get by over there. Like nobody else would be able to realize that they're now actually from this place. And then they just like dumped us, just like five (laughs) thousand. different humans or breeding pairs so that there's enough genetic diversity and they just let they just like left us here to see what happens um i think that's how it would have come about well yeah i i I have a slightly different view so i still i go back to my whole dinosaur situation where humanity was like a a test subject where they kind of planted the seeds uh the organisms after they wiped out the dinosaurs and or maybe it was during that time but i still think it might be beyond that time and the organisms grow and like i said they were holding our hands maybe integrating themselves in the society by say integrate i mean they are mixing their genetics into our genetics because every like living organism has the need to reproduce it's a it's a, it's a natural thing that comes to us and i think that on a really like drunk or bored evening of the our observers they feel like hey let's let's have a fun night where we just mess with the dum-dums and then you get to like the scientists say, no, 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 we must not interfere. And then obviously you can't control everyone in the society and it's got a hive mind. But I still think that we were modified in that kind of way where this external element came into our gene cycle and we've all inherited some of their DNA, which helped us evolve in some ways, but faster, but also, like I said, they're observing us. Perhaps they all come down to us and said, well, uh, maybe we're like Rick and Morty in the episode of Rick and Morty. You know how Rick has that little battery that powers his car and some whole mini verse in the situation. Maybe we're like that, where they will come down to us in these 
pretended uh, costumes and use their swear symbol hands or uh, swear language where they swear at us and we we think it's their way of greeting us we have zero idea so again i still feel like we are they if they are amongst us we are their test subjects they observers they entertainment many other things so we we're not their equals in any ways until we've gotten to a certain stage where they can see us as helpful we're like their children their child almost i i have the optimistic view that we are their child that they look after us maybe that all those close contacts with meteorites they like from a distance they like just nudging that meteorite out of the way and when we eventually get that kind of technology they don't have to worry about it anymore they can move on to the next stage they say okay so they, they now have space lasers that they can shoot out these meteorites we can uh progress to the next stage where maybe we will say hello to the many communication probes where they gently saying checking out if there's any life and then we can finally say hello to them it's it's something that i hope is the more optimi- optimistic way of thinking yeah no that that's a good way of thinking for for my answer i think that if we're the like if we're the product of a hybrid program then i think that actually makes a, a ton of sense because archaeologically speaking now we know that human modern Homo sapiens sapiens bred with Homo neanderthalensis. Mm-hmm. Homo, Homo sapiens, Homo neanderthalensis sapiens. Okay. And um, that's just because we, we weren't so far away from them in the gene- genetic plane. So there's actually a very plausible argument that could be made for an extraterrestrial like intervention being the reasons why the the normal spear chucker kind of stone tool wielding hominins were able to make the cognitive leap to developing culture and speech and all of those wonderful things that we associate with being a human being. Um, <laughs> there, there could be a an argument to be made for that. Now, I don't necessarily believe that, but I think that there are there are quite a few parallels inside the archaeological record that you could associate there. Just speaking more expansively on all of life on Earth, I think that there almost already is evidence of like kind of the panspermia idea, but I think like multiple different panspermia events happening inside of Earth because like i think there's literally 40 different kinds of ways in which eyesight and photoreception has developed on site inside of earth already like octopodes and cephalopods have a different mechanism by which they see shrimps especially the mantis shrimp that can see like 30 different colors or whatever no no mm-hmm. they they've got mm-hmm. like th- uh 16 or 12 different photoreceptor cells in their eyes their eyes develop completely independently from us. And I wouldn't be surprised if insects also developed some kind of different mechanism for seeing. And so just, just because of that, I would, I would say that there, you know, it could be that there was <laughs> panspermia happening. But, but otherwise, you know, it's, it's actually not really that because evolution tends towards certain kinds of things, you know, because they're, there are only a limited amount of 
waveforms inside of physics that can be utilized for any kind of sensory experience. That's like light, it's sound, light has like, let's say, 10 different spectra. And so that provides a lot of variability in which light can be photo received by some kind of organ. Then with sound, you could make a plausible argument for the, the different wavelengths and only being attuned to a higher or a lower kind of wavelength or having a kind of broad spectrum. And otherwise, it, it makes sense that, like, just, just breaking down our own five senses, like molecules float around from the source of, like the source of those molecules, which would be something physical, like a type of matter. And so that's um, what our noses were developed to, to sense. And touch is just our sense of actual physical matter. Mm-hmm. And what's the, what's, the, what's the fifth one? Taste. And taste is just the, the metabolic sensory organ for those same <laughs> molecules <laughs> that are associated with smell and matter as well. But that's like more of a combinatory one. So you can, you can kind of make, uh, you can easily imagine a different kind of sense which combines sight and smell or sound and sight. Or I guess not really. It would have to be sound and sight, not sight and smell. Because those sight and sound are waveforms in physics, whereas smell and taste and touch have to do with matter. So like there are different vi- uh, ways in which you can combine those. but. It seems as if those are the only kinds of senses that we can have. So I guess you could make an argument for why it's not necessarily extraterrestrial, because evolution only has so many things to work with. Does that make sense? It, it does. It's, it's quite an interesting way of thinking. I won't lie. <laughs> so are you also on the kind of side that you think that's aliens? Well, what do you think? So you mentioned the the point of like aliens have kind of made hybrid versions of us yeah i feel like both our ideas are quite closely linked but when do you think that kind of started when do you think that hibernation kind of when did they feel like it was time do you think they just like came by and saw that we were already at a certain stage and decided that this is the time or do you think that they it was just by chance i think it would granted we're taking that 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 this scenario happened I would mm-hmm. definitely say that it was fully 100% planned because uh, I agree. Um, it, it would have to be planned because if you seed some kind of genetic material and like the eukaryotes and pro, prokaryotes bacterial stage of li- the, the development of life, then the intermingling of that would have been so mixed and established that you wouldn't have the variability later down the line of mammals on the evolutionary plane where you would actually be able to see that there's some kind of a difference in the mechanisms like eyesight or sound or smell or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So it would have to have been something like within, uh, within the last ice age or whatever, some kind of massive climactic epoch (laughs) <laughs> so like let's say let's say the last half a million years because that still gives 
that's still not far enough down in time for genetic um, admixture to have been so well established that things can no longer be told apart. You could, I mean, you could even make a, a solid argument for saying that that's the difference between mammals and birds and mm. dinosaurs in general, because birds are dinosaurs. Um, you could say that we're distinct enough that, you know, there's no no breeding happening over there. <laughs> Clearly different. Well, yeah. that, that, that brings into the whole point of like genetic modification, because at one stage, we humanity is gonna are going to delve way into it, possibly a, a future episode where we're going to delve into genetic modification, where we put favorable qualities and remove unfavorable qualities. We already have started doing that in a, at a certain degree of already. And that's, a, that's also another thing that the aliens could have done to us, is that that's why I, I touched briefly on the fact that aliens might be using us as a way to grow, uh, solve or grow their society. Why I say solve is because maybe there's some disease that they're just sick and tired of, and they want it. They need a testing ground. They need a, a way to kind of test this, the the solution or genetic modification without destroying their society. So I feel like in a way, humanity could just be incubating into the appropriate test guinea pigs, where we are hopefully the their solution, which they then gonna hopefully not harvest us, but rather try to integrate with us. Another way to think of yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's a good way of thinking of it. I I'm trying to be optimistic this episode, okay? <laughs> no, that's definitely an, a nice way of thinking about it. It's it's nice to think that there's a purpose between behind why this program would have happened. Alternatively, we could just be in a giant slaughterhouse version of like a pig slaughterhouse or that kind of thing. Where we're just waiting, uh, just plumping ourselves up because Americans are already ahead of us in certain degrees. Um, I'm not sure, I know this is a bit of diversion, but I've been re watching some TikTok uh, cooking episodes, uh, just like just a few, just because some of them caught my attention. And she's some, this one American. TikTok uh, who makes food just wants everything she makes feels like I'm watching I'm I'm physically getting a heart attack by just watching her make this food. Oh my uh, gosh. You just <laughs> see you see the grease bubbling and sizzling and you're just like, oh my gosh, that goes inside people. What's I, going I, on? I kid you not, I'll I'll share this TikTok video with you. It is absolutely insane. What I'll just touch on one where this person gets a slice of bread and I think she puts like 16 slabs of different types of cheese so like american cheese and it's like those processed cheese and she put those 16 slabs right on top of each other and then another piece of bread then she dips the entire sandwich in uh deep fried dough so the batter so it's covered and it's completely covered in batter and then she put, covers it in uh instant dry noodle mix so it's now covered in this Go and it's now got an outside exterior of an instant noodle mix where then they then proceed to deep fry this bad boy this whole thing is a complete like i can't fathom my why someone would want to eat this thing but that's why triple bypass waiting oh, to happen i promise you you just watch this and you like see this person you know, she's not she's not in any way an inspiration of how to cook video situation but why i touch on that is that they might be just waiting for us to plump ourselves up to the appropriate uh tenderness and right amount of meat 
And yeah, they're just gonna say it's time to eat, guys. And they come down and just start. Maybe they hunt us down because they want to get that thrill of the hunt situation. Maybe yeah, they could just yeah to harvest us, and that's the more scary way of thinking it. <laughs> well, to kind of be inevitable, like a foregone conclusion, because any any civilization that becomes sufficiently advanced enough will want to do less and less work and less and less labor. Mm-hmm. And that would mean that they eventually do plump and fatten up. So oh, 100%. It's a sure thing, you know. <laughs> Just like see different different galaxies and planets with some genetic oh, material no. so that you can come harvest them in a million years. Yeah, and then you can have that big brand or the sticker on the, on the package stating all naturally grown, uh, X amount oh. of years grown society. <laughs> be warned, this yeah. is an American version, so a lot of grease may be involved and then has a certain version a lot of meat can be involved and has the chinese a very organic way of eating food yeah yeah. yeah but okay everyone that was our episode for today let us know whose original idea you think makes more sense and tell us how 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 do you think humans would be living among us i mean not humans aliens would be living among us already um you think it would be something like men in black or um, I don't know, something else. And which which idea of the later part of the episode um, of us being the aliens do you think was more interesting? And what like what how do you think we could or we could be the aliens? Mackie, I kind of forgot to touch up on this in the beginning of the episode, but where exactly can we be found and how can people interact with us? How can they let us know about this? Their answers. So you guys know that if you are not alien, you're already part of this. But for all those future alien people who don't quite know how to or how to really get in touch with us, the easiest and best way is through our Discord. We have a Ramble Shamble Discord. If you don't have a very new account and don't have a profile pic, then it will be difficult for you to join because we do have those minor restrictions because there are those spam bots out there. But if you do have an existing account, like I say, two weeks old and have a thumbnail of any kind, it could be your best friend, it could be a picture of your dog, we don't really mind. It's a thumbnail that really does not matter in the world of Discord. You can come join us and chat with us, share your ideas, share your, give us your answers to your question. And you can also find us on almost every other podcasting platform, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. And you're also free to speak to us through YouTube. We won't communicate as freely, but we'll definitely respond. We'll uh, respond to your messages and possibly learn from them. And guys, again, we if you've listened to or see a few of our Ramble Shamble episodes, you might think that we only talk about future or we only talk about a certain topic. That is not the case. If you go through our whole topic range, we cover an array of topics. We just love the world of space and future and aliens. But we might touch on it every now and again because there's so much to talk about. And guys, don't forget, we release a new video every Thursday. If we don't release the video, we'll try our very best to communicate that to you. So guys, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, you can also listen to shorter versions called Rainbow Shrapnel. And we hope to see you guys in the next episode. Bye-bye.